Listener exclusive. Welcome to our Listener app. It's a beauty, isn't it? And you can listen now to some of the most extraordinary people as we move into that season. I don't just mean mango season, but the season of the winds, cyclone season. And this is a time where we're aware. Awareness is so important and hearing from your mates who know how to help you. From our coppers, our SES, our our local mates in the council, let's learn about how to be prepared for our cyclone season. Jenny Hill is Mayor of Townsville. She's also Chairman of our local disaster management group. Let's hear about her responsibilities. Well, we have a separate act for disaster management here in Queensland. Okay. So all local councils have to set up a local disaster management group to ensure that when things happen that we can mobilise quickly. Mm. So... Um, what, what did we have before this? Oh, God, no. So I, you I know, it was just a around. quick, quick uh, let's have a little chat, it's raining. Well, it probably was a bit like that. It was, oh, geez, what the hell are we going to do? You've got a whole building now and you've got experts around the place. How how does it work? So what we do is we have a core group, which includes health, fireys, police, emergency services, SES and council. Um, We even have TEL because one of the key things is when we need to get the messaging out, it isn't just for our locals, it's for our visitors as well. Oh, of course. But so our response... Responsibility is to manage really local disasters and to work in conjunction with police and fire and emergency services to help mobilise the community and to coordinate the response. Mm. And, and speaking of response, are you ready to sew up a few sandbags if the sandbag machine, not shopping bag machine, but if the sandbag machine breaks down? Oh, look, I've got the needle and thread out there, the singer sewing machine. Yeah, and the shovels. I still remember both at uh, the Civic Theatre and just opposite local disaster management, there they were with their utes. There were the volunteers. You you, you have a great core of volunteers as well. Yeah, we do. And, you know, often we'd we'd see some of our sporting players come out and help shovel sand into sandbags. I even had a... Chinese artist who was on tour here during the floods. He um, he went out and shoveled sandbags for the community. Mm. But look, we've got machines now. Yes. Yep. Um, what when we'll also have a small stockpile to kick things off. But we just need to ensure that we're prepared. We know what to do. Yes, we're ready to get out there to mobilise the community and things like um, disaster ready day is really about educating the community because. When things happen, there are things that they can do as individuals, as families, as households to protect not only their own person but also to ensure that they can protect their belongings. How have things been with local disaster management because, uh, you know, we are expecting more lows, which means more wet conditions? We are. Let's hope, though, it's not raining for 13 days straight over (laughs) the dam catchment. No, that's true. I'll never forget you saying that to me. You know that uh, we've lost all flood mitigation and I said the gates were open. I think that'll go down to one of the statements in, uh, in, in my career. We went through that together and I mean that in the nicest way. You were over there, I was here. But uh, what, we, what have we learned? Like afterwards well, you look, would have we, chatted about that. We have. So we've gone back to test everything. Yep. We've um, 
We've re-endorsed the emergency action plan for the dam, which is available on our website for the community to see. What people need to understand is the, the dam did its job. It held back... Um, at one point, it was at 250%. Extraordinary. Under, right? And yep. it, it regulated the amount of water that okay. that was discharged. Because if the dam wasn't there, mm. it would have been the sort of floods we used to read about in our history books Indeed. in Townsville, where yep. South Townsville, Anoomba, what is um, gone, yeah. Hermit Park, Hyde Park, it just would have been all underwater in the mm. city. So the dam did its job. The issue for us, though, is how do we prepare the community better? How do we um, teach people that there are things they can do? Like when you sandbag, you don't just sandbag the front of your home, you sandbag the back of your home as well. (laughs) Um, We found that people only sandbag their front doors. Because it goes around, yes. um, I heard stories that we haven't been able to test it where people who couldn't sandbag literally used electrical tape and taped every every opening okay. in and around their home mm. and when they went back after the floods, no water had gotten in. Wow. Okay. So there are all sorts of innovative things that people have done to protect their property. Our first goal is to always protect life. Indeed. And that is the priority. You can replace a television, you can replace a lounge suite, but you can't replace a loved one. So the wet season on its way and we're prepared with the local disaster management group. It's, uh, it's something you're very proud of, Madam Mayor. I am. We've got a great team there. When we went through the floods, we were working two 12-hour shifts. Yes. I spent quite a few nights there wandering around in my pyjamas because oh, nice. I couldn't sleep. <laughs> yeah. you got council umbrellas, special ones. Big umbrellas. Big umbrellas. For big rain events, yeah. <laughs> it's only when it gets windy they might get blown away. <laughs> we all become Mary Poppins. <laughs> Mayor Jenny Hill, our chair of the local disaster management group. They do amazing work. I've been in there with them. Extraordinary. And we'll hear from Wayne Preedy, the coordinator, shortly. Let's hear from Raymond J.O., the Mayor of the Hinchinbrook Shire. Are we ever really prepared for what Mother Nature has to offer? No, no, but what we can do is be um, prepared for the unexpected and um, that's what we need to do, Steve. Mm, what is the unexpected? Well, whatever nature throws at us, as you just indicated, so, you know, we're, we're pretty used to uh, floods coming down, but yeah. um, as we all know, all floods aren't the same. Some floods are different. Some floods affect different parts of the area. Yeah. Uh, depends where the rain falls. So, you know, as a district, we need to be prepared everywhere for um, that flooding to occur. But then we can get the wind too, and the wind comes from anywhere. So that's the big that's the big issue. So what have we learned over the years, you know, looking after everywhere from Mount Fox to Lucinda? What have you learned? The need to be prepared. Yeah. And the need for individuals to be prepared as well as council to be prepared to support those individuals. Um, I mean, that's their only form of defence. Um, you know, if we're ready to go, if we've got everything in place, uh, we can deal with things that occur. Um, you know, we don't want to be running around like a uh, yep. with his head cut off when uh, something happens and not knowing what to do. What's your main task then as a council? Well, as a council, uh, we get the information out um, and the communications to the community is very important, uh, the, the need to prepare. I know I keep saying that word a lot, but it's essential. Um, making sure that the community um, knows what to expect 
and what it needs um, to to get through it, like you know having an emergency kit, having uh, food and water available, ready, stockpiled, um, any medications and that that you may need. You mightn't be able to get to town for a, for a while, or you mightn't even have electricity for a while. So you, you need to think about that and how you're going to deal with those issues. How do you get your info out? We, um, we've got a, a pretty good network. A lot of communication goes out in the digitised format um, on our websites and all that. Um, but we also have a, have a good um, caring community which helps us spread the message. So, you know, we can use the radio, for instance. Yep. Uh, Steve Price, he's always there, ready to go. Um, uh, that's you, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, and we also use other other mediums like mm. we've got uh, disaster dashboards all throughout the district. What roads are a danger? Flood proofing is, uh, you know, a hard part, but um, as I just indicated, it depends where the, the flooding occurs. But Lower Herbert is, is always an issue, mm. um, access to, um, you know, to the areas of McNaid, Halifax, Carlos Beach and Lucinda is pretty problematic because of the Anna Branch Bridge and the Halifax Washaway. But there are also other low-lying areas such as uh, Bosworth's Crossing. Um, you've, you've got uh, Dalrymple Creek. So, But generally speaking, most of the, um, the district is aware of where those low spots are. And we do, our staff do their best in, in getting signage up and erected um, as required. But you know what, Pricey? The big thing that we must always take into account mm. because we do get those big heavy downpours. Yeah. And, um, you know, when the ground gets saturated, we should be driving on any road expecting to come across water at any time. Yeah. That's the big message because we just don't know. Once those drains are saturated and the rain continues, you know, water starts creeping on the road anywhere. So it's not just low spots. It, it could be anywhere. So drive for the unexpected at all times. Certainly a part of the world that has copped floods for many, many years. They know how to look after their mates. But right now, <laughs> this guy's incredible. With all the volunteers, our Angels in Orange, Daryl Camp from the SES. The SESG, you know, your regional manager, you, you love the job, I know you do. Have we enough Orange Angels at the moment? We have enough to do the work that needs to be done. Yeah. But we could always use more. And that's because if we get a big season, we're going to see fatigue in the volunteers. Uh, have you everything you need for preparation coming into this season? Absolutely. We've been supported by local government, yep. the state government, and a lot of the groups have been applying for grants, and those grants have allowed them to buy equipment that they need. What's your most important job in preparation? The single most important thing is training. Okay. And that's that's carried out all year to make sure that our people are skilled in what they need to do and then we make sure that they have the resources. Hmm. What about the amount of work the volunteers do? They do extraordinary stuff, you know. Uh, I, I know your priority, look after your own home first, all of that, but they're out and they are risking their lives and and, and welfare helping others. Yeah, they are and they choose to do that because they want to make their community a safer and better place. So they make sure that they attend training so they know what to do and then they'll go out and help the rest of the community. When we had the floods, what was one thing that you took away from that that you thought, gee whiz, Daryl, don't forget this? 
oh, there were so many things that yeah. we should do better. <laughs> um, <laughs> hey, you did all right, mate. You did all right. <laughs> what, what, what sort of things? The, the biggest thing was ask for resources early. Okay. Because we did run out of some resources as the, the event escalated. What should people know, do you think, about the SES and uh, how to get in contact with them or what help they can get from the SES? The main thing is if they want help, they should ring 132 500 or go on the website or the app. Mm -hmm. If they ask for help that we can't provide, we will find someone to help them. (laughs) What is it about working with the SES that you, you enjoy more than anything? Seeing the volunteers happy and resourced so that they can do what they want to do to help their community. Thanks, Daryl Cam from the SES. Always there when we need them. But what about the weather? Nowadays, there are some absolute passionate forecasters like Wally's Weather. I use lots of the models. Yeah. You know, you, you seem to get it right. You do well and they reckon our part of the world is pretty hard. Yeah, the Coral Sea is pretty difficult because you've got almost like a, a corner of water and it's almost landlocked. Yeah. So here they've got not a lot of space to move around in. That's a cyclone, that is. Now, how's the season looking? Okay, well, it's a little bit similar to the last one, um, but we might have the warm waters slightly to the west, mm-hmm. which could mean that we see more activity in the Arafura Sea. Um, up towards the top end of the Coral Sea and definitely over in the Indian Ocean. When you see a low, what do you look for when it comes to its formation? How can you tell whether it's going to uh, spiral up? I look for these three little clouds, or not little clouds, but big clouds that sort of um, form and you've got one sort of up the top and one towards the east and one towards the west and that tends to indicate that something's going to spin up. Tell me what um, is happening this year. What are you predicting? Okay, so with um, the current system, we have like a double dip La Nina. So we had La Nina started last year. It's kind of dulled down a bit and it's now heading back into another La Nina. It's similar to back in 2011, but not quite as severe. So... What we can see is a lot more low-pressure systems, not necessarily more cyclones. A lot of people think that when you head into La Nina or when you take into account climate change, that you're going to get more cyclones. That's not necessarily the case. And for the Southern Hemisphere, they've actually been decreasing. So we'll probably get a lot more low-pressure systems, which actually means more rain. What does the warmth of the water have to do with it? So cyclones or tropical cyclones need warm water to actually um, exist. So they they draw up the the, the warm moist um, air and then throw it up into high up into the atmosphere and that builds up that cloud or the, what they call convection and then it comes back down again as rain. So cyclones are just like massive storms and they breed on that warm water the more chance of a cyclone. So, you know, with these expected lows, we could be in for a big wet season, which could possibly mean flooding. That's correct, yeah. And we've seen them when they sort of sit still 
that's when you, you get concerned because uh, that's when you get the flooding. If they're sort of moving about, then they'll dump a lot, but they'll just keep dumping as they move. But you, you just don't want them sitting still. With the rain in mid-October and the heat and the afternoon storms, is that a sign of things to come to? Is that unusual? Uh, I don't know about unusual, but it's definitely a sign that we've got a lot of low pressure around. Mate, are we going to get a wet Christmas? Is Santa going to get his beard wet? I would probably put my money on a wet Christmas. Always there to look after the community. Always there to look after us. Here on the Listener app, let's meet Chief Superintendent Craig Hanlon. We make sure that we're working with our partners in government and private uh, private industry mm. to make sure that we're we're planned we're planned and ready for the wet season. Um, we will have significant resources allocated uh, to the wet season. We'll keep an eye on the bomb predictions, and as as they get closer to our wet season and they get more likely to to eventuate, then we'll pre-deploy resources uh, across uh, North Queensland to make sure that should we get severe weather and potentially places get isolated, we have resources available to respond immediately. Slightly serious here. What about COVID? Uh, Has that affected the police force at all uh, coming into this season? Well, like everyone, we've got to to manage COVID. Now, we say to people, prepare uh, for the wet season, so prepare a potential evacuation plan, have your emergency kit ready, but also get COVID vaccinated. Um, That's one thing that we don't want to have to consider and have another layer of... uh, complexities when we're, when we're moving people potentially in and out of houses to evacuation centres. So uh, we tell everyone to get vaccinated before the wet season. What have we learned off wet seasons in the past when it comes to policing? Well, firstly, we do it very well. Um, <laughs> we're very good at making sure that we save people's lives. Now, that's yep. a priority for us, save people's lives. Uh, and, and then once we've managed that component, then we look at how we can we can reduce the impact to property damage. And sometimes, whilst we might not be able to do much in that regard, we can make sure that we're saving people's lives and that's what it's all about. What about families, their preparations personally, would you say? So things like um, have your evacuation kit ready, you know, how, do you, how can a family manage without electricity? So if you don't have any lights or any fridge, how are you going to manage? Do you have battery-operated radios so you can, get, you can get updates from the bomb or you can access websites, local council websites? Do you have travel plans to and from work or to and from an evacuation centre should that happen? Hmm. Have you prepared your property? Have you got, you know, items around the house secure? Um, but the key is also to make sure you keep maintaining regular contact with the local councils and also through the bombs so everyone's aware of what's happening. The situation of security, you know, during these events, is there a chance, uh, you know, that people can take advantage of your homes, uh, people being moved out of their homes? Definitely. And we've seen it previously, uh, not just in Townsville, but across across the Western world where weather events occur, people have to be displaced. And then we get, we, we've seen instances of looting. What we do as police, we make sure that if people are removed from locations, then there will be a presence there to try and reduce that happening. But unfortunately, when we have serious issues like this, we do sometimes see the worst in people. But that's part of our planning, how we can make sure that property remains secure while people aren't there. In jobs like yours and certainly with young coppers uh, on the force now and it's great to see. I I, I guess they, dare I use the word, look forward to using their expertise too. These young coppers uh, you're bringing online are fantastic. And the key for us, Price, is it's another role that the police do. 
um, you know, it's it's sometimes good when we go in and it's about saving lives and, and it's about getting people to safety versus doing the, a lot of the, the, the usual stuff. This is about getting and actually making sure people people survive some of these things. We put ourselves in some risky positions sometimes, but we're going, we've got great support from other agencies, the fireys, and, and particularly the military. We're lucky in Townsville that we've got a oh, very yeah. good uh, yeah. supportive network through the military, but some of these police really enjoy getting out and actually doing what we're all about <laughs> and making sure we keep Queensland Safe. You guys add comfort, and, and it's reassuring that, to know that um, that the community support us. But you know, we're here, we're here to get the community through these events. Uh, and what we say is, um, you know, there may be some uh, decisions we have to make to to make sure that people stay safe. Sometimes people don't understand them. We just want people to be patient, understand what we're trying to do, and if we work together, we'll all get through this, and uh, we can go back and, and reassess once the once the rain stops falling. One of our great mates in this amazing city of ours, his knowledge is extraordinary. Top bloke is Wayne Preedy, coordinator of the local disaster management group. Wayne, why do we need people like you? Um, unfortunately, some of the things we can't control in the world, mate, is things like the weather. Mm-hmm. Like, we love it. We live in the best part of Australia up here, as we you do. know, mate, in the north. But sometimes it can turn a little bit nasty. Yeah. Mate, unfortunately, we can't control it. So yeah. what we can do is try and learn to live with it or best prepare for it. What's your expertise? Look, I came from a military background, as you, as you know, Steve, and then worked for the state government in emergency management for a number of years. And now working for council in my day job, but as the disaster coordinator, it's really about knowing which agency is best suited to the task, um, getting all the different uh, levels of government to work together. Uh, and our focus is, is about the community and how best we can prepare the community or help the community to respond after something's happened. What have we learned from the past? Yeah, you know, I'm biased because I'm fortunate to live here in Queensland, but I actually think the Queensland disaster management arrangements and, and the model yep. that is locally led, uh, then we go to state level, to federal level, et cetera, you know, works around the country. You know, other states it's a little bit different and I think in some ways that's why we've done pretty well so far yep. with, our, with our COVID response. You know, we're fortunate here in this part of Queensland. We've got, we've got mayors that chair their disaster groups that are very passionate mm-hmm. about their communities and they're well informed about the area that they live in, the geographical area, what the threats and hazards are. So, so they actually get it and, and the, you know what, they work well together. Mm. Um, so we want to get on the front foot and try and be ahead of, ahead of what could come our way. What could come our way? Now, uh, we, we are a coastal city everywhere from Bowen through to our mates in Cardwell, right up to, to Cairns, of course, because a blow could come into Cairns and come down here uh, within a day, of course, as we know. How does that make a difference to you guys, our coastal regions and our uh, proximity to the Coral Sea? Yeah, probably for us the biggest concern there, mate, would be about storm tide inundation. Historically, generally, people there's more people drown in okay. cyclones than they get killed by, you know, flying debris. We're very mm-hmm. keen on, you know, strengthening our homes and, and, and we advise people to, to stay indoors in the smallest room, etc. But our coastal area, unfortunately, if we've got a, a decent cyclone and the motion of the cyclone, etc., is pushing that seawater um, ahead of the cyclone, can cause, you know, significant inundation. And it's not like a tsunami wave, as, as some people might think. You mm-hmm. know, that wave action is going to happen for some time. You know, you look at um, Katrina yep. in America, you know, a very um, famous hurricane, 
if we go back to Althea for us in yep, 71 yep. and, you, you know, next time you're walking along the strand for the people that are listening now, just have a look to your left as you're heading towards the uh, the Anzac Park sort of end. Look at the, the level of the sea. So it, it hit us on a low tide, I believe, Althea. Yet yep. The waves were breaking at the back of Strand Park. Extraordinary when you think about yeah, it. Yeah, it had to be in a high and tide. And it could happen mate. again. Oh, absolutely it could, mate, unfortunately. So we've just got to learn to to live with it, plan for it, and I suppose in some ways plan according where there's some areas that we are going to say to people, look, you can't really live there because the, the, the risk is too great. When decisions are made, who makes them? It's a heavy burden um, on the LDMG, but the LDM, so the Lake Disaster Management Group is made up of experts in their field. So, yes, the Mayor chairs the group because in the, in the Disaster Management Act, it's got to be an elected official of the local oh, okay. government. So yep. that's why in that role, Jenny is actually not the Mayor. She's the chair of the local disaster management group. Okay. Same, same. I'm a council employee, but in my disaster mode, so to speak, I'm the local disaster coordinator. So we're, we're working within the Queensland legislation, reporting through to ultimately the Premier who chairs the Queensland Disaster Management Committee or the State Disaster Coordinator, where the last couple of times has been um, Golcheski, you may, mm-hmm. depending on what the hazard is, they will have that person as the State Disaster Coordinator. Generally, most of the time, it's the police. So anyway, within that group, we will discuss what the problem they are, that we are faced with as a community. Right. We have experts in their field. So the police, a senior police representative that's on the local disaster management group chairs the evacuation and transport subgroup. Right because they're dealing in that space all the time and it might be that they want to put a motion forward, need to conduct um, large-scale evacuations of the following areas. Extraordinary. And uh, then they'll talk to Army, they'll talk to everyone they can. talk to everyone, they'll they'll plan it out and then a motion will get put forward. So there'll be, you know, someone proposes it, a seconder, the the voting members of the local disaster management group, of which there's 15, will be, uh, you know, those four against, like anything else, because we've got to have defendable... Decisions, You know, with the possibility of the wet season, which is the blows, of course, but also the uh, the arrival of COVID, the arrival of new people up here as well. Yeah, that, that really changed the landscape, mate. You know, working in this field, even though I'd um, written um, some studies on, on pandemic sort of um, threats, but, yeah, when this first started, we actually started planning here in Townsville on the 29th of January last year. As soon as we heard about um, COVID overseas, we got the group together and the good thing about it and the distance from, to Australia is we had time to plan. So there was planning going on in the background from the get-go. Are we ready? We're as ready as we can be, but what, okay. what we need is the community to get on board as well. The best thing we can do... Um, as an area up here is show others that we are ready. We take our cyclone preparation quite seriously up here. We need to take our own personal safety and things like vaccination, they're telling us is the best form of defence, is to do that. Hmm. Because sooner or later it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen here and the more we can reduce the likelihood of COVID spreading in our community, the better the outcome is going to be. It could be that there's a cyclone coming and there's mass COVID here. We plan for the worst but hope for the best or train hard, fight easy, all those sorts of sayings that you hear the military. Because it's no point sitting back waiting for it to happen and then go, oh, gosh, you know, how are we going to do with this? (laughs) But we do. We we need people out there to think that this is not just uh, a disease that happens to others. It could happen to us and take away our way of life that we get to live here in the best part of Australia. And I would be really 
disappointed if that happened to us. Our area stretches from the bountiful Burdekin to the mighty Herbert River. From the Burdekin, our Mayor, Lynn McLaughlin. We will really be um, prepared. You had Ready Week, didn't you? Get Ready Week. Yeah, yeah, we did. And that was with SES, because they fell together. SES Week and Get Ready Week, so that yep. was very good. Mm-hmm. QSES was there. Yep. And we also had NBN bring their brand new uh, mobile bike okay. that they can use to uh, assist during an event. Do you think we're up to date with communication? Do you think that's the most important thing? I think it is. I think it's about people actually knowing Mm. where to go and to have a point of truth because I think one of the biggest challenges are are the people who think they know what's happening and start spruiking on social media about this is going to happen and last time I was here this happened. And we really need people to... Bureau of Meteorology, the BOM, yep. and Council's Disaster website yes. that are the points of truth across the state. I love the dashboards. Every council has a disaster dashboard. Yeah. So they should be using that when they're in other areas as well. What do you think's a responsibility with us letting the kids know? What's the message to kids? Well, I think it, it's around the same thing. This is about getting ready. This is what you do during an event and this is what you need to be responsible to do after an event. Mm -hmm. So when it looked like Debbie was coming, we did all the preparation, but we don't promote, we didn't promote well. What do you do the morning you wake up? You need to be responsible for yourself. Yes. You can't rely on the SES. I mean, if it's an emergent situation, you dial triple O. Otherwise... You need to check there's no power lines. You need to remove, you need to do some things yourself because you can't rely on people being there to do it for you. They're predicting a season of the winds and lots of rain this year, Lynn. So what's the message? The message is to be prepared. So you should be preparing your yards, check your house, your roofs, your windows, and just have it ready so it's not a rush at the end. You can mm. do a bit each weekend now. Yep. So that's about being organised, making mm. sure your disaster pack is ready with tinned food, your uh, important documents, and to make sure you have a plan for your family. Yeah. And, and that's about talking as a group. So what are you going to do if the front door blows in? Or what are you going to do if your roof blows off? Or the power's out, of course. Yes. And make sure you've got your batteries. Make sure you've got your radio. Make sure you've got water available. Mm. So people need to take some responsibility and get prepared themselves. So we visit our primary schools. Yeah. And they are the best supporters <laughs> and messages because they go home and they say, Mum and Dad, have we got the disaster Box ready? You know, you're right. Let the kids do it. Now, what about the old Burdekin River too in flood if uh, if we get a heap of water? In the off-season, we've actually put in some extra uh, rain gauges, some okay. monitors. Yep. So, you know, there's some redundancy built in there. If one goes down, there are others, extra ones being put in, installed. Yep. The um, monitoring from Hurricane Cliff has yep. all been updated. There's a new landing pad. There's a new receiver up there. So that's that's been uh, refurbished mm-hmm. and upgraded. And it's really about following what's 
happening on the news, what's bombs saying, yeah. what the dashboard is saying, and our staff are very experienced with the Burdekin River flooding. Lynn, we're coming into the season. What does it mean to you personally too? That our community is safe, first and foremost, is that we're safe. Yep. I'm fairly, our local disaster management group is, is very well resourced and experienced. And I think it's about educating our community that they need to look after themselves. My message always is safety first, listen to the information and take responsibility for your own safety. We are there when there's a catastrophe and we are there to assist at any time. We can give you information, but don't sit back and wait for someone else to give you a handout. It may be the wet season, but also we must remember the word is possible disasters. One is bushfire. Sarah McCarran, Acting Bushfire Safety Officer. So part of my job is uh, connecting with the communities, uh, making sure they are have their um, lands well prepared, um, yep. discussing any mitigation options they might have. We also connect in with our other stakeholders, so council, national parks, um, talk to them about their risk and empowering the community and those stakeholders with options for their mitigation of their bushfires. And we're all in danger, hey, the whole area. That's right. Um, basically, everywhere can be at risk for a bushfire. Mm. So whether you're backing onto the bush or um, more in that urban area, you, yeah. you still are at risk of sparks flying and embers that might be flying in the wind. So mm -hmm. it is still important to make sure you have a clear yard just in case. What sort of, uh, well, safety lessons do we need to know, Sarah? So at a personal level, like making sure you're prepared for a bushfire. So having mm -hmm. protective clothing and equipment if you're going to stay. Um, have an evacuation kit, an emergency kit, a first aid kit, insurance policies. Yeah. Um, creating a bushfire survival plan. Okay. Um, that's really important. And that is available on our Rural Fire website. Um, there is a tool there for creating a survival plan. With the cyclone season with us, what's the situation there with bushfires? Yeah, it's definitely coming into that severe weather season, but it is still the bushfire season. So knowing your risk is really important. Um, accessing whether you're vulnerable to a fire. Um, making sure that firefighters have access to your property. Oh, right, uh, yep. So, you know, clear out from overhanging trees, unrestricted driveway access, alternative way out for vehicles. Do you have a water supply? Um, these are all things that can make you vulnerable. The weather means so much to us in North Queensland. Laura Bokel, she's Senior Meteorologist with our Bureau of Meteorology. Well, uh, I can tell you that we've got a La Nina alert. So yeah. what's that? That's telling us that we may see a La Nina this summer. And typically what we see with La Nina is uh, average to above average conditions. So let's put that into context. What does that mean? What does that mean for Townsville? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we see four tropical cyclones forming on average in the Coral Sea every cyclone season with one of those crossing the coast. Yep. So if that's average season, that's what we're expecting this year with the chance that it might be a few more than that. Do you think there's more lows as well? Yeah, so with the La Nina, what we see more of is the moisture in the air. Oh, and okay. We, yeah, so when we see more moisture, then we can get more lows forming. And when they do form, they can be a little bit more, um, they can bring more impacts, I guess, in terms of rainfall. So we could see average to above average number of lows as well. And the warmth of the water, is our water pretty uh, warm at the moment? 
a little bit above average, um, yeah. but nothing too um, unusual to what we're seeing. And I guess with the La Nina and the, the other climate drivers, we have seen a little bit warmer water. Um, and what that means is, you know, we need the magic number, that's 26.5 degrees to get yeah. a cyclone to form. Oh. So if we're seeing water's a little bit warmer, um, then that might happen. We might see cyclones a little bit earlier or even a bit further south. How does this season compare to others? Similar to other seasons, we've got cyclones, flooding, severe storms and bushfire risk. So in that way, it's, it's quite similar in that we're heading into the season now and Pretty much everything's on the table for parts of Queensland. Will we have a wet Christmas for Santa? I don't know if we can go out that far, but <laughs> I'm going to go on former years and it's pretty common to see, you know, a bit of that tropical rain pushed down over Christmas. So I'm going to say yes. And aren't they all wonderful people? Their most important mission is to look after us during this season of the winds, our cyclone season here in North Queensland. Paradise does come with a price. But if we stick together, as we Aussies say, she'll be right. Thanks for joining us on the Listener App. For the love of North Queensland, happy days. Listener.